Good day, everyone. Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books, not just one scripture of the Bible. And I will be sharing commentary with you while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Good day, saints. I hope today is finding you well. I know this is late in the evening. I almost postponed this uh, final episode until tomorrow, but I asked God to give me strength, and he did. We are going to close out this three-part series entitled Hosea, the prophet Hosea warns Israel about their apostasy. Now we are going to conclude by reading chapters 11, 12, 13, and the final chapter 14. So far we have covered where Israel enraged and outraged the living God behind their pagan behavior. They started following the cultures of other nations who did not worship the true and living God. See, you guys often wonder why I'm always talking about different denominations and different religions. And we are reading right here in Hosea. And I'm telling you, it's not just in Hosea where God is outraged about people following idol gods. Yes. So without further ado, we need to get through this. I hope you are in chapter 11 of the book of Hosea. Hosea is the prophet that God spoke through during that time. And I already shared with you guys, God often spoke through prophets back then. He's not speaking through prophets today. Let's be clear about that. We have his word to follow so that the priest can no longer deceive the people. And God is no longer using prophets because when the Lord Jesus Christ came, he was the final prophet. And Jesus Christ gave revelation of the end times to John, John Mark who is also known as John the Revelator. John was the only apostle that wasn't beheaded, if I'm not sure. Um, Him, uh, maybe one other, but I think he is the only one because he was on the Isle of Patmos in prison when the Lord Jesus Christ himself gave John revelation of the end times that is similar to the book of Daniel and Ezekiel. At some point, we will get to them. Now, I have returned to the New American Bible. Okay, if you guys can recall, yesterday I read from the New Living Translation. But today, I have returned to the New American Bible. So with that said, go to chapter 11 if you are not already there. And I am reading at verse 1. When Israel was a child... I loved him. This is God speaking through the prophet Hosea. Out of Egypt, 
I called my son. Verse 2. The more I called them, the further they went from me, sacrificing to Baal or either Baal, okay? And burning incense to idols, idol gods. Verse 3. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk, who took them in my arms, but they did not know that I cared for them. Verse 4. I drew them with human cords, with bands of love. I fostered them like those who raise an infant to their cheeks. I bent down to feed them. Verse 5. He shall return to the land of Egypt. Assyria shall be his king because they have refused to repent. And with God saying Assyria will be their king, I'm here to tell you that's not nothing good. That's not nothing good. Verse 6. The sword shall rage in his cities. It shall destroy his diviners. Now, diviners are false prophets. They are soothsayers. They are magicians. They are palm readers. Okay? That is who they were consulting with rather than consulting with the true and living God. And devour them because of their schemings. They were nothing but crooks. The diviners, nothing but crooks. Verse seven, my people have their minds set on apostasy, turning away from the true and living God, my Lord. Though they call on God in unison, he shall not raise them up. Verse eight, how could I give you up, Ephraim, or deliver you up, Israel? How could I treat you as Adma? Or make you like Zeboim. My heart is overwhelmed. My pity is stirred. Verse 9. I will not give vent to my blazing anger. I will not destroy Ephraim again. For I am God and not a man. The Holy One present among you. I will not come in wrath. Verse 10. They shall follow the Lord who roars like a lion. Where he roars, his children shall come frightened from the west. Verse 11. Out of Egypt, they shall come trembling like birds, like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will resettle them in their homes. Oracle of the Lord. Now, after the image of husband and wife that uh, God used in chapter 1, verse 3. Hosea uses the image of parent and child, just like in Exodus chapter four, verse 22, Isaiah chapter one, verse two, Jeremiah chapter three, verse 19. Out of Egypt, Hosea dates the real beginning of Israel from the time of Exodus. Like in Matthew chapter two, verse 15, it applies this text to the return of Jesus from Egypt. Okay, it says, I drew them with bands of love. This is Matthew 2.15. This is perhaps a reversal of the yoke imagery of the previous chapter, i.e. not forcing them like draft animals, but drawing them with kindness and affection. Now, Adma and Zeboam are cities in the vicinity of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Yes, and they were destroyed with them. You can read Genesis chapter 19, verse 24 and 25. You can read Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 22. You can also read uh, Genesis chapter 14 and verse 2. Now let's go over to chapter 12. Yes, these are some, some short chapters, uh, 11, 12, 13, and 14. So we won't be that long today. Verse 1, Ephraim has surrounded me with lies, the house of Israel with deceit. Judah still wanders about with gods and is faithful to holy ones. Verse two, Ephraim shepherds the wind and pursues the east, the east wind all day long. He multiplies lies and violence. They make a covenant with Assyria. See, I told you Assyria is not nothing nice. So if you are being associated with Assyria and, uh, or being likened to the king in Assyria, you are not being considered to be a good king, or in some cases, a president, okay? And oil is carried to Egypt. Verse three, the Lord has a dispute with Judah and will punish Jacob for his conduct and repay him for his deeds. Verse four, in the womb, he supplanted his brother. And in his vigor, he contended with a divine being. Mm. Verse five, he contended with an angel and prevailed. He wept and entreated him. At Bethel, he met with him. And there he spoke with him. Verse six, the Lord is the God of hosts. The Lord is his name. Verse seven, you must return to your God. Maintain loyalty and justice and always hope in your God. Verse eight, a merchant who holds a false balance. He loves to extort. Verse nine, Ephraim has said how rich I have become. I have made a fortune. All his grain will not suffice for the guilt of his sin. Verse 10, I, the Lord, have been your God since the land of Egypt. I will again have you live in tents as on feast days. 11, verse 11. I spoke to the prophets. I granted many visions and through the prophets, I told parables. Verse 12 in Gilead is falsehood. They have come to nothing in Gilgal. They sacrifice bulls, but their altars are like heaps of stones in the furrows of the field. Verse 13, Jacob fled to the land of Aram and Israel served for a wife. For a wife, he tended sheep. Verse 14. But by a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. And by a prophet, Israel was tended. Now he brought Israel out of Egypt by a prophet. That prophet is Moses. Okay. And by a prophet, Israel was tended. Verse 15. Ephraim has aroused bitter anger. So his Lord shall cast his blood guilt upon him and repay him for his scorn. Now that is actually the end of um, chapter 12. Now let's talk about it a little bit. Chapter 12 draws a, a parallel between the history of Israel and events. The life of Jacob is, which is Israel because Jacob's name was later changed to Israel. Um, the ancestor. An attack on the adultery of both kingdoms, Israel and Judah. Now, holy ones 
subordinate gods with a little g are members of the divine council. Now, Hosea frequently condemned the alliances with Assyria and Egypt. They were the two world powers at the time. Uh, Israel should never have been in an alliance with Assyria and Egypt. Egypt was the nation that enslaved the Israelites for 430 years. And Moses was the prophet that delivered them out of Egyptian slavery. Unbelievable. And they went right back. Now let's move on over to chapter 13, verse one. When Ephraim spoke, there was terror. He was exalted in Israel, but he became guilty through Baal and died. Mm. Verse two. Now they continue to sin, making for themselves molten images, silver idols, according to their skills. All of them, the work of artisans. Now, artisans of craft or craftsmen. Okay. Uh, to these offer sacrifice. They say people kiss calves. They offered sacrifices to the handmade images that they made. Unbelievable. Verse three. Therefore, they will be like a morning cloud or like the dew that vanishes with the dawn, like chaff storm driven from the threshing floor or like smoke out of the window. Verse four, I, the Lord, am your God. Since the land of Egypt, God's apart from me, you do not know. There is no savior but me. Hallelujah. Where else do you hear that? In Acts chapter four, where there is no name given under heaven by which we must be saved. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Jesus talking here. There is no savior but me. That's the latter part. Of verse four. Now let's move to verse five. I fed you in the wilderness, in the parched land. Verse six. When I fed them, they were satisfied. When satisfied, they became proud. Therefore, they forgot me. See, the um, Israelites were some arrogant people, especially when they knew that they were God's chosen people. But do you see how God is dealing with them? Hmm. Do y'all still want to be in the Old Testament? under the covenant that God made with uh, Moses and the children of Israel. I thank God I'm not under that covenant. I'm a Gentile. Anyone who is not a Jew, you were not born a Jew. You are not under that covenant. If you are a Gentile and you are in Christ Jesus, you are under grace. We are not under condemnation. We are not under the law. And I have spoken about that. The two differences throughout this series under the law, came condemnation and judgment and under grace comes forgiveness, repentance, and a thousand chances. Now, verse seven. So I will be like a lion to them, like a leopard by the road. I will keep watch. Verse eight. I will attack them like a bear robbed of its young and tear their hearts from their breasts. Now, these are some harsh words. But this is the creator of the earth speaking through the prophet Hosea to the children of Israel for their apostasy, turning their backs on God. Yeah. Verse eight again. I will attack them like a bear robbed of its young and tear their hearts from their breast. I will devour them on the spot like a lion as a wild animal would rip them open. Verse nine. I destroy you, Israel. Who is there to help you? Verse 10. Where now is your king 
that he may rescue you. See, the, the, the kings, these evil kings that they were bowing down to and, and worshiping their handmade images, where are they now? That's what God is saying. Can they help you? Hmm. Can they rescue you? Verse 10 again. Where now is your king that he may rescue you and all your princesses that they may defend you? Of whom you said, give me a king and princesses. Verse 11. I give you a king in my anger and I take him away in my wrath. And we are going to cross reference this well, um, where this verse is talking about when the children of Israel requested a king. And guess what? And God gave him one. He gave him one in his anger and he removed that king in his wrath. And this is when the prophet Samuel was uh, the prophet at that time. So we are going to cross-reference that. This is going to be the first time I am going to leave this chapter because I want to read that to you. This is how the children of Israel ended up with a king and angered God. Okay, verse 12. The guilt of Ephraim is wrapped up. His sin is stored away. Verse 13. The birth pangs will come for him. But this is an unwise child who when it is time does not present himself at the mouth of the womb. Verse 14, shall I deliver them from the power of Sheol? Shall I redeem them from death? Where are your plagues, O death? Where is your sting, O Sheol? Compassion is hidden from my eyes. Ooh, God was angry. He was angry. Verse 15, though Ephraim may flourish among his brothers, an east wind will come, a wind from the Lord rising from the wilderness that will dry up his spring and leave his fountain dry. It will loot his treasury of every precious thing. My Lord, my Lord. Now that's the end of 13. Now let me talk about it for a little bit before we go on over to 1 Samuel. Now exalted in Israel. Ephraim enjoyed a privileged position in Israel. You can cross-reference that with Genesis chapter 48, verse 14 through 19. Okay. When God talked about kiss calves, apparently he referenced, uh, this is a reference to a ritual gesture uh, associated with worship of Baal represented as a calf. You can cross-reference this in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 18. And I, the Lord, land of Egypt, according to 1 Kings 12, 28, Jeroboam introduced the calves used in the worship at the sanctuaries in Bethel and Dan with the words, here are your gods with a little G, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt? Now, only God can save Israel. Okay. Only God. I'm talking about the true and living God. The God who created the heavens and the earth and the land, the dirt and the water, not the king whom Israel had requested from the Lord. Now, I said I wanted to uh, cross reference this and there uh, we can go on over to first Samuel. I want you to go to first Samuel chapter eight. OK, first Samuel chapter eight. You really don't have to go there. I can read it, but I wanted to read. This is how all this started. Okay, I want to read to you how the children of Israel with their selfish behind, they seemed to me like they were retarded. 
You know, you got the true and living God who created the heavens and earth, who is overseeing everything um, that you needed. Everything that you do, he was providing for you. He made you rich. He made uh, Israel uh, the, the top or number one nation. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Now I'm at first Samuel chapter eight, beginning at first, verse four. Listen to this. Therefore, all the elders of Israel assembled and went to Samuel at Roma. Verse five and said to him, now that you are old and your sons do not follow your example, appoint a king over us like all the uh, look like all the other nations to rule us. They ask for a king like all the other nations to rule us. I'm, that's why I told you yesterday, God ain't appointing all these presidents and kings here. People are doing it. God is allowing it. That's why we have a voting. <laughs> that's why we have a voting practice. Okay, we vote people in office and people are voting the wrong people in office. But Samuel is going to consult with God. And I want you to hear this. I want you to listen now. Verse six, Samuel was displeased. When they said, give us a king to rule us. But he prayed to the Lord. Verse seven, the Lord said, listen to whatever the people say. You are not the one they are rejecting. They are rejecting me as their king. That's what God, God is saying. They're not rejecting you. They are rejecting me as their king. Now, for those of you who don't know, back then, Israel was a theocracy. Okay. They were considered to be a theocratic state. Now, a theocracy is, is a form of government in which a, a God of some type is the supreme ruler of the government. Now, in those days, the prophets and the priests were over the people, but the people stopped wanting to listen to the prophet. And so did the priest. The priest didn't want to listen to the prophet either. We talked about how crooked the priests were. Now, the priests were just as crooked as a drunk man trying to, to paint a line in the street. OK, Israel asked for a king to be over them like other nations had. OK, now, verse eight, let me pick up at verse eight. I want you to listen to what God says. They are acting toward you just as they have acted from the day I brought them up from Egypt to this very day, deserting me to serve other gods. Verse nine. Now listen to them, but at the same time, give them a solemn warning and inform them of the rights of the king who will rule them. Right here, God is saying, okay, they asked for a king, but let me tell them what the king is going to do. Okay. Now verse 10, Samuel delivered the message of the Lord in full to those who were asking him for a king. Verse 11, he told them the governance of the king who will rule you will be as follows. He will take your sons and assign them to his chariots and horses, and they will run before his chariot. Verse 12, he will appoint from among them his commanders of thousands and of hundreds. He will make them do his plowing and harvesting and produce his weapons of war and chariotry. Verse 13, he will use your daughters as perfumers. Perfumers are experts at making perfume. Okay. Cooks and bakers. Verse 14, he will take your best fields, vineyards, and olive groves and give them to his servants. Verse 15, he will tithe your crops 
and grape harvest to give to his officials and his servants. Verse 16, he will take your male and female slaves as well as your best oxen and donkeys and use them to do his work. Verse 17, he will also tithe your flocks, meaning giving a tenth of his flock to his servants. Look, listen, verse 17 again, he will also tithe your flocks. As for you, you will become his slaves. Verse 18, on that day, you will cry out because of the king whom you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you on that day. Verse 19, and this is the final um, uh, verse I'm going to read. The people, however, refused to listen to Samuel's warning and said, no, there must be a king over us. That is where all this started. The children of Israel demanded that they have a king over them like other nations. They wanted a king so that they can lead them in war. They, their hearts was full of violence and evil. And see, that's one of the reasons God had to send Jesus. He had to send a, sa a savior because man couldn't be saved otherwise. Without God's salvation plan and his redemptive plan, no man would be saved because God couldn't understand the flesh part. So you got to remember God is spirit. Okay. He is a spirit. He couldn't understand why his people were turning their backs on him. It's because of the human flesh. He had to send his son. He had to send a savior. If he didn't send Jesus, everyone on the planet would perish. Because let me tell you, at heart, generally, man is evil. And that's Bible. That's word. Man is evil at heart. And contrary to this earthly, worldly woman, I think her name is Anne Frank, who said, um, generally at heart, man, man has a good heart. No, they don't. God says man is evil. Man is evil. So he had to send a savior. And look, they demanded to have a king. They didn't care what Samuel was saying. The priests had already turned crooked. The priests were involved in some horrible pagan worship. Oh, yes. I said yesterday that I really didn't even want to share some of the things that the priests were involved in. But I may share that at the end of this uh, episode. But um, when God says, I give you a king in my wrath. That's just what he did. The Lord punished the people of the Northern kingdom by giving them Kings who were soon disposed of. Mm -hmm. Now Ephraim will die along with its stored up sin. That's what God says. Just as a mother dies along with a child that she cannot deliver. Okay. Now God calls upon death and, and, sh and Sheol. Now for, for those of you who don't know, Sheol is a dark place. It, 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 you might as well compare it to Hades, hell. It's a dark place. And he called upon death and Sheol to send their auxiliaries, plagues and sting to punish Israel. Mm -hmm. You can read that in Hebrews chapter three, verse five in Psalms 91, six, Paul uses this same text in a different way to speak about the victory over death in first Corinthians 15, 54 and 55. Now, although Ephraim is not explicitly mentioned in the text, the Hebrew text has the word he, H-E, the word play with the Hebrew word for flourish. Okay. It, it, it suggests the use of Ephraim 
in the translation when, possibly talking about Assyria. Now, I hope y'all are getting something from this. Now, let's move on over. No, let's trot on over to chapter 14 and close this out. Because y'all know I started late today, so I must be tired. But we are going to bring this home, okay? Verse 1 in chapter 14. Samaria has become guilty, for she has rebelled against her God. They shall fall by the sword. Their infants shall be dashed to pieces. This is some horrible stuff, but this is how God dealt with them under judgment. Okay, under the law. Their pregnant women shall be ripped open. Mm. Verse two, return Israel to the Lord, your God. You have stumbled because of your iniquity. Verse three, take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all iniquity and take what is good. Let us offer the fruit of our lips. That is what we are supposed to be doing. Today. Yeah. Praising God with our lips. Verse four. Assyria will not save us, nor will we mount horses. We will never again say our God to the work of our hands, meaning they will never again worship the uh, God they create with their hands. For in you, the orphan finds compassion. Now, this is the prophet Hosea telling them how they need to come back to the Lord and what they need to say. He is telling them word for word or either verbatim what they need to say to come back to God. Now, if it was me, based on what <laughs> I was hearing, I would go right to the Lord and repent and say every word that the prophet Hosea told me to say. Verse five, I will heal their apostasy. That's the mercy of God. I will love them freely for my anger is turned away from them. Verse six, I will be like the dew for Israel. He will blossom like the lily. He will strike root like the, like the Lebanon cedar. Verse seven, and his shoots will go forth. His splendor will be like the olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon cedar. Verse eight, again, they will live in his shade. They will raise grain. They will blossom like the vine. Because you have to remember their agriculture was their wealth. And God had taken all that away. He had allowed all that to dry up so they couldn't make money. And his renown will be like the wine of Lebanon. Verse 9. Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I have humbled him, but I will take note of him. I am like a verdant cypress tree. From me, fruit will be found for you. Mm. Verse 10. Who is wise enough to understand these things, the prophet Hosea, who is intelligent enough to know them straight are the paths of the Lord, the just walk in them, but sinners stumble in them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, Samaria, the capital of Northern kingdom will fall. This is the punishment predicted for Ephraim the northern kingdom. Now these good intentions promise a reversal of Israel's sin. No more reliance uh, on Assyria uh, or on foreign alliances and on horses, i.e. on human power and on adultery. Israel will trust in the Lord alone. Now verdant cypress tree. 
I know y'all was wondering what that meant when I read it. That is the symbol of lasting life. The opposite of the sacred trees of the Baal cult. Okay. The Lord provides the fruit, the peri to Israel. Another instance of the, the word play on Ephraim. Okay. A challenge to the reader in the style of the wisdom of literature. Now, God is talking about restoring Israel, but here's the key. That's when the Lord Jesus Christ returns to set up his kingdom. See, all of this is futuristic. What was going to happen to Israel when God restores Israel and forgives Israel. So um, a lot of this has to do with the end times. But I hope you guys enjoyed this. I don't want to keep you any longer. I know it's late. It is almost 7 o'clock p.m. where I am in Louisiana. But I hope you learned something from this. Next week, I will continue in the Old Testament. I already know which prophet I will read about and share with you. I'm not going to tell you until the day of. That's right. I won't tell you until next Saturday. But um, we are still under this pandemic. And as always, if you have to go out in public, you need to wear your face mask so that you can protect others. And others need to wear a face mask so that they can protect you. And if you are in a grocery store or you going shopping or whatever, you need to make sure you are six to eight feet away from that individual. Continue to pray for, for peace and healing. That is my prayer today. Pray for peace and healing. So until next time, my sisters and brothers in Christ, peace out. All right. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, please send your questions to trustgod55.cd at gmail.com. Or you can send me a direct message by clicking on the message button located on my podcast, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public, and submit your remarks. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing all my podcasts and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated. I am praying for God to give you a return on your seed. Praise God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, as it relates to sowing a seed, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Hallelujah. Now God will give you a return on your seed as long as you sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart. The key is having a cheerful heart. Now until next time, brothers and sisters, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.